Hello and welcome to Jaw Law. I'm your host, Joe McGregor in Dallas, Texas. Today, we are going to have a really short conversation about something called the parole evidence rule. Before I go into that awesome and sexy subject, a couple of housekeeping items. Again, we probably don't do this enough, but if you like what you hear, it would mean the world to me if you went and gave us a review on whatever service that you get your podcast on. That helps other dentists find us. And something I don't think I've ever asked before, but if you like what you hear and you think it's useful, please feel free to share on whatever social media platform you use. Finally, and this is probably the closest that I will ever get to sales on this podcast, but if we ever talk about something on this podcast and you want to talk more about it, please feel free to reach out. We don't have consultation fees. You're always welcome to call. You're welcome to shoot us an email. My email is joe at jawlawpodcast.com. My official law firm email is jmcgregor at mcgregorfirm.com. And the phone lines are open. All right, today I want to talk about a scenario that happens, well, it happens all the time. And it happens in two places, primarily. The first scenario is you are being recruited by an employer and the employer is telling you all of the various things that are speaking to you to go work there. And most of the things that the recruiter is telling you are going to make it into the contract because those are the things we expect to see. Like, well, what kind of percentage am I going to get paid? How many days a week am I going to work? Who's paying for my bowel practice? Those are the basics. Often there are additional, you could say smaller items that are still meaningful that get talked about and oftentimes emailed about, but they don't make it into the contract. A lot of times it's because people aren't paying attention and other times people just don't think it's that big of a deal. What I want to cure is the understanding or the, the idea that because it got written in an email that somehow that is going to make it meaningful or it's, it's going to be legally useful. But before I walk down that road, the other scenario that we see is once in a while a client will come to us and this is probably like once a year, uh, maybe twice. Somebody will come to us and say, hey, I'm in a lease. I did not use an attorney. And sometimes they did, but they're coming to us and asking us. They're saying, in my letter of intent for my lease space, it was agreed this or that. But in the lease that I have, it didn't make it into. The most recent example, somebody bought a practice and the landlord, in writing, told the incoming purchaser that they would warranty an HVAC for one year, but they never put it in writing. So they didn't amend the contract to say that. And in the assignment document, it made no reference to the HVAC. And wouldn't you know, something happened to the HVAC. And so the, the client called and said, hey, the landlord said this, but he didn't make it in. That's still cool, right? Well, the reason this podcast is going to be short is because, no, there is a rule. We call it the concept of integration. And basically, if you have a written agreement, so we're not talking about scenarios where there is no contract. We're talking about times when you have a contract. So you have an employment contract, you have a lease, you have a purchase contract, whatever the case may be, there is a written document. And furthermore, it's clear, it's obvious that that document was intended to be the final document. So for instance, 
just because it's written, but it's not final. You know, it's just a piece to the puzzle. That's not what we're talking about either. I think everyone has this concept in their employment agreement. If you, well, basically all the contracts that you have, if you look in your employment agreement, at the very end, there's all that legal mumbo jumbo, and it's the integration clause, or it'll say merger clause or entire agreement, this concept. And we've talked about it before, but if it doesn't make it into the final contract, it does not exist. And I mentioned at the top of the podcast, there's this fun debate among probably only law school professors. They're the only ones who think this is exciting. But there's something we call the parole evidence rule. And the debate is, is it parole or peril evidence rule? I don't know. Don't care. Nobody probably cares. But The point is, is there is a rule which just basically says you can't have evidence that contradicts the contract. So, for instance, let's say that in your recruitment process, your recruiter said, hey, you are not going to be charged for labs. But then in your contract, it says that you're going to split labs with the practice. Once you sign that contract, and so long as that contract appears to be the final contract, Your agreement is now that you are going to split labs with the practice. And just because the recruiter told you, or even if it's in an email, if you were to take that to court, the flexibility, depending on what state you live in, but for the most part, the legal principle is that if you go to court, the court's not even allowed to hear that evidence. If it's contrary to what's in your contract, it doesn't even come in. Nobody even knows it exists. The primary exception to this rule is, in some jurisdictions, if what you were talking about wasn't in the contract. So, it was a concept, and it was obvious that you guys came to an agreement, but it just wasn't covered, then sometimes you can find a way to get that brought up. But, again, that integration clause or merger clause, whatever it's called, entire agreement, that is meant to be a binding locked door that says every single thing that we wanted to be in here is in here. Even if it's not covered in this, we deemed it to not be part of this contract. And courts are compelled to honor this rule. Yes, there are exceptions. And yes, in some courts, you might find a little bit of softness in the judge's heart. But for the most part, the idea here is that if it is important to you, It needs to be in the contract, and it needs to be the way that you understand it to be the agreement. So, what I would tell you, stop relying on things they told you and things that they emailed you. If you do care about those things, they have to go in the contract. If you do not care, no big deal. We're not talking about it. But if you care, it has to be written in the contract, and just because it was written previously does not mean it saves you. That's all we have today. We'll see you next time. Give a little bit